Please open your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. This is the very last message in this series that we've been in, five weeks now, entitled The Gospel, It's Even More Than You Hoped. Uh, if you'll reach back a month or so, you'll remember we began the series I, I did with a message where I, I started off and I was walking the streets of downtown Franklin. You guys remember this. I had my microphone in hand and I would just walk up to strangers, quite frankly, and I'm asking them a very simple question. What is the gospel? And they would respond and we watched that. And it was, it was very insightful, uh, I think, certainly for me, but I think for all of us in the sense that when we ask that question, what is the gospel, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a great deal of clarity and there's a great deal of confusion around that, isn't there? And that's in part why we've been doing uh, this series. Now, we're going to end, I'm, I'm telling you now, we're going to end in a similar way Rather than me walking the streets of, walking Main Street, uh, I'm going to be walking the aisle, aisles, I get both of them, of fellowship, and I'm, I'm just going to ask, you're not strangers to me, so, so to speak, I'm going to ask a very simple question, what is the gospel? And I will let you respond. And having been, you know, five weeks uh, studying, uh, I'm trusting that there'll be, for all of us, greater clarity and less confusion. Why five weeks in one paragraph? This is not how we normally teach. We're normally going through books of the Bible, verse by verse. Well, we're choosing this passage because in it, Paul, in the clearest of terms, tells us what is of first importance. Not first per se, first of three, first of ten, but first the most important thing in life all the time in every place. And I do not mean at all, and you know this, neither Mike nor uh, Bill nor myself or Rob would diminish the pain that's in this room, the difficulties that we face, the hurt, the hardship that, that fills, quite frankly, fills the room. I'm not putting that aside. I'm not saying this to diminish that. But to say that your relationship with God secured through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is always the most important thing. And it's the very thing by which we stand and move through the difficulties we do have with a certain and sure hope. Well, this is the final message and we come to it. We're actually landing on what may be the Achilles heel of the church today. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let me, let me, let me get, it, get to it this way. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? And there, I'm, I'm intending you to respond. Now, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how to respond when I ask it, so pay attention to this. If, uh, if you were to take, uh, if I were to ask you the question, you know, and go, being a Christian, I'm going to assume if, if you've trusted Christ, and you're still alive, you're still on the planet. And I asked you, uh, tell, me, tell, me at least, tell me at least three things, three reasons why God has left you on the planet right now, having come to faith in him. Three reasons he has you on the planet. How many of us 
this, uh, this is kind of a setup and way, but you, uh, you go with me on this. How many of us would, would agree, would say that evangelism would be one of those three reasons why we're on the planet? I want you to raise your hand. I literally would love for you to do this. And I know some of you never do what I ask you to do anyways, but we're going to raise our hand. Okay, that's good. Because I, 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 I would say, yes, it's going to be in the top three. Okay, now I'm going to ask you some questions. Do not raise your hand. But if evangelism, we'd put it in the top three, how many of you have led someone to faith in Christ in the last year? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm going to stretch it. Okay, let's just, how many of you have led someone to faith in Christ? You've, you've shared your faith, led someone to faith in the last five years. How about, the, you don't have to raise your hand. about in the last decade? I'm glad you did. In the past decade, how about this? And again, you don't have to raise your hand, but if, you, if, you, if we said, okay, other than uh, those of us that are old enough, other than having led my children or my child to faith in Christ, how many of us have led anyone to faith since the day we were led to faith, whether it's 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago? I'll tell you, when I ask these questions of, my, of myself, I just, I just want to crawl under the podium, so to speak, because I can go, oh my gosh, it's that important, yet I... Can, you know, can, then that's where, because the message, I've struggled with this because can, it can feel, you know, shaming or, you know, go into guilt or embarrassment. I want to suggest that a proper understanding of, and, and an application of Paul's words on evangelism, I'll use that word, on, on, on sharing our faith, a proper understanding of that, and the whole New Testament, it, it, those words are meant to put starch in our soul. Honestly, they're, they're really meant not to burden us this way, but to give us courage and to put the that the gospel to put it on our lips. I think some of us have, uh, have maybe missed what, what the, the Bible really says about this and what Paul in particular infers, I'll say it this way, infers in our passage today, but says clearly in other places, is at the very core, at the very core of our proclamation, our evangelism, our proclamation of the gospel. We've missed it. And when we miss it, you all, see, we miss one of our greatest privileges and one of our greatest joys that flows from that. So before reading the text, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And uh, we're going to pray that God would do what only he can do. You, you, you could listen to me and get some information, but it's only when we hear from God and God opens our eyes and God opens our hearts, quite frankly, are we changed. And that's what I want to pray for. Pray with me. Father, Thank you for time under your word now. And we pray that your spirit would teach and that you would open our eyes to what's true and you would change our hearts that we might live it. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. It's the last time we'll read the whole section. Someone ask everyone to stand. Would you do that, please, in honor of God's word? Follow along in your Bibles as I read God's word to us today. Our focus today is on the last three verses of chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Paul's word to us. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Here's our key verses. Verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believe. Note he goes from I, I, I to we. You see the plurality of the community proclaims. And the community studies the word today. So before you sit down, I want you to turn to someone nearby and welcome them to fellowship. Introduce yourself if you have to, but welcome them. We're glad you're here. And then I'll get going with our study. December of, ni- December of 1978, I found myself standing in a ballroom with 2,000 other college students. It was after the first quarter of my freshman year at the University of Tennessee. That's back when it was on quarter system. And I found myself in Atlanta, Georgia at this Christmas conference, they called it, with, with Campus Crusade for Christ. 2,000 college students there to learn how to follow Christ more, what it meant to walk in relationship with him. I want you to know I I stood in that ballroom and it was overwhelming. It was all new to me. This was like I'd never been in a room with with that many Christians, with that many college students that loved God ever in my life. You see, if you go back 18 months prior to that and I could not have told you what a Christian is, what makes someone a Christian because I wasn't a Christian. Uh, it was, I've said this, I've, I've told this story before, but it's appropriate in the context even of our series. When I was a senior in high school, um, I, I was in my bedroom one day and I pulled out this little, this little pamphlet, this little track called The Four Spiritual Laws. And many of you are very familiar with this. And, and my brother had gone to Middle Tennessee and become a Christian and he would share with me, but just didn't click, didn't do, didn't do anything. And then this one day I'm reading this track, I'm reading these words. And uh, the little booklet begins, many of you know in this way, just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, so there are spiritual laws that govern your relationship with God. And then Dr. Bill Bright outlines four spiritual principles that govern our relationship with God. God, you could say this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Law principle one, law two, that, that man is separated from God by our sin and the wages of sin is death. Then law three, Jesus is the only provision for man's sin. He paid the penalty for our sins. And then law four, it's not enough to know these things. You need to personally, individually believe, 
trust that what Jesus did, he did for you. And in that moment, why? But for the grace of God, I believed. I did pray a prayer, but it was, it was my belief. It was, I, I trusted that was true for me. Now, I didn't just shoot off like a rocket spiritually because I, wasn't, I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up in church. I was never in a, I'd never been in a Bible study. I'd never done any of that stuff. But I ended up, you know, going to University of Tennessee. And now, fast forward, you know, some 18 months now, I'm standing in this ballroom of lit up Christian students and uh, passionate about Christ. And it was, it was like, it was like exhilarating until they said, now on Thursday, we're going to all get together and we're going to send you out into the city and uh, you're going to go share your faith. And I'm like, oh my God. From that moment on, I could think of nothing else. And all I could think of was, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to avoid that? You know, when that happens, I couldn't avoid it. Comes around. I end up going and um, I'm with a group of people I don't know because I didn't know anyone there but my brother and a couple of his friends. We get in a car. We drive to some place in Atlanta. I couldn't tell you where. I get out of the car. I'm handed a sheet of paper. I'm paired up with someone and we got three streets we're going to walk down. And share our faith. Now, I, I mean this. I can't remember if, if we got to, if anybody talked to us. I mean, my chest is tight right now thinking about this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm short of breath. But I, I go, okay, I'll, here's what I remember. The relief when we got back to that car <laughs> and we headed back to that hotel. And, uh, you know, I didn't say this out loud, but I made a silent vow in that car that if I could be a good Christian and avoid this thing called evangelism, <laughs> that I would. Now, I know that's not everyone's story, okay? So, you know, and there's some good stuff that comes out of that. I mean, it's just, some, you know, you, you put a young Christian in a place where they got to trust Christ, and it's uncomfortable, I'm scared, but, you, you know, you, God comes, you know, you, you experience a growth in faith. So there's some good in that. But I'm going to tell you, for me, my temperament, my personality, whatever you want to call it, that was, quite frankly, a bit more traumatic than it was tremendous. And I've spent the last 37 plus years, God is my witness, trying to make sure I excelled in certain parts of the Christian life because I didn't want to bring that one up, you know? And you, you, you go, well, you're a pastor. <laughs> you need to be leading us in this. Well, I'm not. I, I struggle to tell people about Christ. You know, I'll, I struggle to share my faith. I'm, I'm afraid they're going to think I'm weird. You know, I'm, I'm afraid they're, they're going to ask a question and I can't answer. And I'm just all knotted up, you know, and I don't want to be odd. don't want to look at str- all, that, all the fear that's there. I'm not one of those people when I travel, and I don't travel that much, but when I get on a plane, you know, some people get on that plane, they come home and tell you all the stories, who they talk next to you. I got, I got the noise reductions on, man. And I'm like, it's a good time to read, you know. When you go, well, what qualifies you then to exhort us to share our faith? I'm not exhorting you to share your faith. What I'm saying and I'm going to say is, would you pay attention to what Paul says? Because I think here he infers, and we'll get to the very implicit core of, of, of why we share our faith, of, of evangelism. And I'm going to tell you something. I think when we get to that core and we live from that core, then 
telling others about Jesus, you see, is not something we should do, excuse me, have to do. Hey, we're going to make you do this. It's not, it's not that. What it becomes is who I am. This comes out because this is, this is who I am. And that's my prayer for us as we go through this text. Look again at verses 9 through 11. That's where we're camping. And this is going to be quite quick. You know, frankly, it's, it's, it's right on the surface for us. Did you notice that in these last three verses, Paul, verse 9, goes from, and I've got it marked in my Bible, he goes from persecutor, got that, verse 9? And then when you go down to 11, you notice he's suddenly preaching. He goes from uh, destroying the church, right? And he did. He sought to, to building up the church. And we ask the question, what happened? What, what happened for that change? Well, I want you to look at verses 9 through 11 like a sandwich, okay? This is, we're just going to put it in diagram form. Look at a sandwich. Verse 9 is the top slice. Here's a slice of bread. Verse 11 is the bottom slice of bread. And verse 10 is whatever you want. I don't know. You want ham, cheese, whatever, turkey, it's hamburger, you know, it's the meat. It's all that inside in the middle. Picture it in that way. Top slice, persecutor. Bottom slice, preacher or I preach. And by the way, this word preach, he's not saying that, you know, now I'm a preacher like, like I'm doing right now, quite frankly, you know, in, in, a, in a role, in an office, so to speak, to, to preach. He's not saying that. That word preach, we preach, is, is the word we proclaim. That's all it is. Uh, we herald. Um, we, 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 out, we publicly say that's what this is doing. And in this way, I want us to understand that what he's saying we do, he's saying we, in a sense, we all do. This is our role and privilege and responsibility. Uh, I, I've always, I was going to spend more time on this. I'm going to get this really tight because this was on my mind when I, when I was studying this. You know that quote from Francis of Assisi? Preach the gospel always. Many of you know this. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, how does it end? Use words. Okay, and... Uh, Here's the thing about that, okay, and I want to, I don't want to, I'm not throwing it under the bus, but I'm going to say this about it, that uh, it, it's a good corrective to remind us that, you know, we need to preach with our life. We need to live the life consistent with, with our message, and that's all good. But let me tell you two problems with it. Number one, he never said it that we can tell. So let's just go. He didn't say it. This is one of those statements that you can't trace to him. And number two, that is not what the Bible says per se. It's just not. There is no mute gospel. I don't want us to say this. I'm not saying you don't live the life, your life doesn't matter, but there's no gospel proclamation apart from out loud the words or the words you read, you see. Does that make sense? So I want us to be kind of a corrective to us on that. It's spoken. It's said out loud. Now notice three things Paul says about himself in verse nine. I am least I am not fit, I persecuted. It's not very good, but you know, I, I'm least. What, what does it mean? It, it means what it means. It means I'm trivial, I'm unimportant. That's the, 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 the idea. I'm insignificant. He goes, I'm not fit. What do you mean you're not fit? I'm not able, I'm not confident, I'm not competent, you know, to do this. I persecuted, that's the systematic, intentional harassment, and he did this, of the church. But then he goes to, I proclaim the gospel. Middle of the sandwich. 
Persecutor, proclaim the gospel. Middle of the sandwich, read it, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Bible study 101. This is the low fruit, and this is where we always want to grab this. What's repeated? What's repeated? Say it out loud. Yes, grace, 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 you see. Whoa, this, this tells us, oh, we're on to something here. Uh, Spiros Zodiatus, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but he's an excellent Greek uh, scholar. Tons of definitions for grace. I like the way he says this. Grace, the absolute free expression of the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. I'll say it again. It's the absolute free expression of the loving kindness of God to men, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. It is God's good to you. Well, why is he good to me? I haven't done anything. Because God is good to you. This is grace. Finding its only source in God. We often say it this way, of course, unmerited or unearned favor. Grace, I'll say it this way, God's irrational, unstoppable good to rational, resistant people. And I use that word rational because we kind of, we think we got to figure it out. And let me tell you something about grace. It doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't rationalize grace. You can only receive it. You just... You, you get it, and you just take it. You don't study grace. I mean, you, you know, you can't study grace and go, now I know grace. You, it's, it, you know what I'm saying? It, it's a gift. It's the goodness of God to you because God chooses to be good to you. I don't want you to miss what grace did in the apostle Paul. Because when we receive it, this is, when we receive grace, we're changed by it. That's the power of grace. Notice how it changed Paul. He went from I am least to, how about that phrase? I am what I am. I'm who God made me to be. In other words, he went from I am least to I'm of immeasurable value and worth in the image of God and in Christ. He went from I am unfit, can't do it, not able to, I am made to do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm made to do what God intends me to do. He went from persecuting to proclaiming or preaching. And I want to suggest that in the same way, truly, grace changes us, y'all. Grace changes our hearts. Grace changes you and I from, I'm insignificant, I'm not, to I'm of immeasurable value and worth in the image of God in Christ, it transforms, it changes our inadequacies. I can't to, I am competent to do what God made me to do. And it changes us truly from enemies of the kingdom, which we all are apart from Jesus, we're against, no neutral. It changes us from enemies of God's kingdom to soldiers, servants of God's kingdom who'll do anything to extend the kingdom, even give our lives. Where'd that come from? Well, it comes from the grace we received changes us and that grace then flows through us. Grace upon grace upon grace. Grace changes the human heart in ways that 
Study won't change you. Obedience won't change you. Willpower won't change you. But grace transforms the heart. Now here's the key. Where is the biblical epicenter of grace? Where's that point from which everything else emanates? The gospel. The gospel. As Michael defined it, the words and works of Christ. You see that? That's the epicenter of grace. Christ's work on our behalf. So what turned Paul from prosecutor to preacher? Grace. There's a simple answer. Let me be even more specific. What, what turned him from prosecutor to preacher? The gospel. Let me be more specific. What changed Paul? Well, the gospel because on the road to Damascus, the light shone, he believed, right? So in that moment, he believed. But do we understand, this is, you know, 14, 15, 16 years later, he's still not over what happened then? It's just as if it's as real to him now. And in fact, he's overcome by all that that gospel means to him and what it shows him of God and God's love for him. He's undone by it even now and he will be for the rest of his life. And it seems to me that what, what fueled Paul's evangel, you know, Paul's out to win the world for Christ and what fueled it is he just could never get over how much God loved him and how he demonstrated that love in the life, death, and resurrection of the Son. Now, why am I being so dogmatic on it? Because I think it's implied here. I really do. But I think it's, hmm, I think it's quite direct in the book of Ephesians. If you'll turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Lindsay read these verses last week, unbeknownst that I would even refer to them this week. Ephesians chapter 3. You're going to know what matters to a person by the way they pray. One of the most beautiful prayers of Paul. As he prays for the Ephesian church, I want you to note where he goes. Chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. If you didn't know where this was going, if you're reading it for the first time, you might expect Paul to go, I pray you'll be strengthened in the inner man so that you can win people to Christ, so that you can expand the kingdom of God, so that you can make disciples. But note where he goes. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to, he he wants us to comprehend, to know with all the saints, what, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, the immeasurable, see, sense of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. How about that? Evangelism matters. We're to make disciples, you know, expanding the kingdom of God, social justice, all the things we're, we to do, we're to live, They're rooted. How about this? They're rooted not in what we do, but in us knowing all that God has done for us. And when that begins to undo our hearts, I mean crack them open, that we can't even hold it. You see, then 
grace begins to flow from us. And the proclamation of the gospel, it's just right on our lips because it's who we are. And it's what we know in Christ. Let me make a, let me make a distinction here. Clarification. Because I asked you earlier, you know, and, and I didn't do that to put anybody on a guilt trip. I, I did it because I think about it in my own life. And it can, it can put me under the, you know, how many people have you led to Christ, you know? But I, I did that and I said it a specific way because I want, I want us to understand a distinction. Because when we don't understand this distinction, I think we put a weight upon ourselves that we're never intended to carry. In its, I don't mean to get silly with words, but in its truest sense, evangelism is not us leading people to Christ. Paul says here, preach, proclaim, herald. It's not necessarily leading someone to Christ. I want us to keep in mind that only God can open a person's eyes. Only God can make sense of this thing we keep reading week after week. Only God can regenerate a dead heart. You can't. I, don't, I can convince you all day long. I can't teach you. Only God, you see, can convert the heart. God said he's going to connect what he's going to do with our words. So we proclaim it, but it's up to God to change the heart. Does that make sense? So, so it's just so when we say we preach the gospel, we share our faith, it's, it's just saying it. The power is in the gospel. Not, uh, how do I, not even my life per se. You know, I'm not throwing a baby away with bathwater, but it's not even about me. It's about the words of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And when we say the gospel in its simplest of forms, which we've been trying to do here, you know what? Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised three days later according to the scripture. He appeared to Cephas and he appeared to 12. Man, if that just goes out of our mouth, is that strong enough to change the heart? Yes. That's what changes the heart by the spirit of God. Not our, you know what I'm saying? We don't have to put a lot of frosting on it. I I mean, we need to make it. You know what I'm saying. But you can just say it. You know, we can speak it. It's proclaiming the message. We evangelize. God converts. Okay. All right. Plenty of time. Take out the mic. I'm going to ask you some, I'm going to ask you one question. Now, I went down that aisle last service. Everyone over here breathed a sigh of relief. So I'm going to go down this aisle, this service, and I'll, I'll get to that. And I'm asking the question, remember, what is the gospel? And if, if you're like me, if I were sitting where you're sitting, I'm going to tell you this. I would, you know, and some of you did this. Some of you haven't heard a word I've said because you've been thinking about this the whole time. <laughs> Oh my gosh, if he comes, what am I going to say? I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to say. It, it's like, honestly, isn't it? It's like what I felt when I was at that conference and they said, we're going to go share our faith. And I'm just telling you, the rest of the week, I'm just stuck. Now, here's the thing. The mic's not even on. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Well, then why'd you say you were? Because I want you thinking about this. I really do. I want you to think about this. What, what if the mic was on? And what if I was walking down the aisle and I'm coming to you and I'm just going to grab anyone and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, hey, do you, is there something so good in your life 
I just want you to tell me about it. I just want, hey, is there something you want to show everybody that's just, it's just good. It, it, I mean, how do I say this? It, it, you know, it, you, it just tickles my soul. I, I just want to, you know, what do people do on Snapchat and Facebook and all that? They're always just throwing stuff out there, you know, because I want you to see this. I want you to, everybody will get this at some level. If I were walking out here and I said, anybody got a grandbaby they want to tell us about? You know, I, I'm, of the, I'm of an age where my kids are young, but my peers, they all have grandkids. It's nauseating, you know? You can't get near them, you know, without... Have you seen her lately? Yeah, an hour ago. She hadn't changed. But what, what, are we, what, are they, what are you doing? What is someone doing when they share that? Now, the, truly, think about it. They are... There's this grace in my life. I didn't do anything to deserve a grandbaby. There's this good. It's just so good. I just want you to know. This is the gospel, you see. And when the gospel becomes gooder than good, it's bad English, decent theology. Gooder than good, it's just... It's just good. It's just good. Then you, then you see we, then we just proclaim it. Because it's who we are. Because we're undone by it. The goodness of God and the love of God in Christ. This is our motivation to live the Christian life, you see. Well, we'll end this way. Oftentimes we, we'll sing a song at the end. And, and sometimes when we do this, and this is specific this time we're doing it, is because we want to sing what's true. Sometimes when we sing what's true, it, it kind of moves our hearts in different ways. We all know that about music. So I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back out and lead us. And I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll stand together. We'll sing. I'll do a benediction uh, just afterwards. But I'm going to ask you to sing the words to this song. Uh, and it's literally, uh, you might, you might it's, it's like praying the words to this song. It's, it's singing, and what we're saying, we're actually seeking to believe and hold and let it overwhelm us. We're singing of the love of God. And so in these moments, think about what we're singing and think about what it means. And you might even quietly pray, Lord, would you undo me with your love for me? I've said this before, this many years ago, because I know I've been doing this for about 10 years, if not more. But I, I don't know if it was when we were in Ephesians 10, 15 years ago, whatever, or something. But I remember kind of getting around the edges of this. And uh, I began praying a prayer. And I'm just going to say this, I'll offer this to you. Uh, when I get up in the morning, before my feet hit the ground, I generally, almost every morning, but I'm just almost subconsciously or, you know, halfway conscious, but I'm, I'll just say a quick prayer before my feet hit the, hit the ground, and it's just, you know, Lord, thank you for this day. And, and for years, you know, I would pray, you know, thank you for this day, and today I want to love you and follow you or whatever. And, and it was around this passage, I changed my prayer, and I truly do this just about every day. But the first words out of my mouth or even subconsciously in my mind is, Lord, thank you for this day. A day to be loved by you. I'm just telling you, it just, changes, it just changes my orientation to the day. It's, of course, it's right for us to love God. But you see, I just want to go, I want to I go into that day going, wow, this is a day that God, I get to be loved by God today. 
that the grace of God might overwhelm me and change me. Let's sing. Measureless and strong, he 
Proclaim the gospel together for the last time in this series. Read with me 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5. Follow along there. It's on the screen. Let us say together. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. When Paul prayed that we might know the love of Christ, he ended that prayer with a beautiful benediction, and I send you out with it. Ephesians 3, 19, 3, 20 and 21 Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless.